In the early days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com. everyone, it's Daniel and Robert The Last Nighters, and we are going to talk about a movie from an unconventional perspective. It's the free market analysis of American Made, the Tom Cruise movie that just came out a couple of years ago. And this is episode 46 of the show, lastnighters.com slash 46 for that show notes and more. And Robert's already laughing at me. So let's get let, let's let's crack that egg. Oh, that's how that's how rapidly we get to movies. If it just came out a couple of years ago, it's brand new for us. We're right does- it does feel like a, a relatively new movie to me. <laughs> it is. So this is a movie that didn't get a lot of fanfare, as far as I know, but it's fairly recently new on the uh, the SW, S, SJW HBO. So yeah, and and speaking yeah. of, um, I did a free trial via the Amazon Prime. Like they do this channels thing where you can uh, basically do an a la carte style versus you know the traditional cable like you must buy bulk package. So with the Amazon Prime, you can order just Showtime or just Stars or just HBO, whatever, and they'll give you like seven days freezies. So I signed up for the seven days, watched uh, Dances with Wolves, which was our previous episode with Mance Raider. And that was an excellent episode, by the way, if I do say so myself. And then on the back end of the seven day trial, I watched this movie, American Made. And in fact, I cut it so close that the uh, trial ended mid movie, but they let me complete the movie. They let me finish. You're so oppressed. <laughs> I'm so oppressed. All right. So like I said, this is episode 46. The Last Nighters is part of the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. And speaking of launching things in your general direction, we are going to be launching a bunch of Black Friday deals at you at lastnighters.com slash deals. Check it out. Now, this movie is chock full of content. And Robert and I were talking about via chat. But this is almost like the Madden style turducken, the turkey duck chicken that is so famous around the Thanksgiving uh, football games. And so we're calling this the, the turducken episode because it is Thanksgiving this week. And there's a bunch of Black Friday deals that we want to let you guys know about. Um, we've got probably five or six different deals that we're aware of right now. And we've got affiliate links for all of them. But I'm just going to give you one website. The only website you need to remember is lastnighters.com. And we're going to do a show notes page at lastnighters.com slash 46. And we're going to compile all the deals. And there's going to be a link to it on the show notes page at lastnighters.com slash deals. On that page, you'll find the best prices of the year for the following amazing things. Liberty Classroom by Tom Woods, which is the economics, history, logic, and other courses that you didn't get in your government indoctrination. Uh, these are some of the best content you can get. I've gone through the government course. I've gone through, there's, there's one actually on um, uh, mythical heroes and uh, culture film. Uh, there's all sorts of great stuff in there. 
The other thing is Bluehost, which is our hosting service for our website. They're doing the best prices of the year. So if you are interested in starting a show or starting a website, starting a blog, um, getting into that game, Bluehost is a really excellent provider. And you include the first um, URL that you sign up for, the first domain name is included in your hosting. Uh, so if you if you do any of that stuff, we'll kick back some uh, extra bonuses to you. We'll give you a shout out on the show, backlinks on our site, all that good stuff. So that is uh, where all that stuff's going to live at lastnighters.com slash deals. Now, I'm, I'm only wasting this much time at the beginning of this because it is, you know, Black Friday week. So after this, not so much of the slinging and the slanging. And we'll get into that Google description if you're good with it. All right. He's nodding. He's nodding for, for your uh, the non-audible audience here. All right. So American Made came out a couple of years ago, 2017. So a year, year and a half. Uh, drama, crime film, an hour and 55 minutes, 7.2 on the IMDb, 86% Rotten Tomatoes, and 65% of Metacritic, which is uh, kind of low, feels a little low there. 84% of Google users liked it. And here's the description. Barry Seal, a TWA pilot, is recruited by the CIA to provide reconnaissance on the burgeoning communist threat in Central America and soon finds himself in charge of one of the biggest covert CIA operations in the history of the United States. The operation spawns the birth of the Medellin cartel and almost brings down the Reagan White House. Came out August 25th, 2017 in Indonesia. Director is Doug Lyman. Box office of 134.9 million on a budget of 50 million dollars, and the first critic review—I'll just throw that out here—is Cruise is a comp- as compelling as ever with charm to spare, and this is a ceaselessly entertaining, sometimes tense romp. Although it doesn't dig much below the surface, but Robert and I will. Your thoughts so far, Robert? Well, it tells a very personal story. It's very much all from Barry's perspective. So. As much as I would like to get information on the other players in the story, we're just not going to get that in this movie, which is why I was thinking, you know, when I originally pitched to this movie to do, I was like, now this is a movie that would benefit from us doing research on, you know, what actually happened, how, you know, how much involvement were, was the CIA? Was it just through this front company that they were doing it or were actual agents doing it? You know, how much money actually went to the CIA? I mean, there's no way. The movie doesn't talk at all about how much Barry is kicking money into the CIA. It's, it acts as if he's keeping it all for himself. But I think if you believe that, I want to sell you a bridge because there's no way they give him all that land, the house, the airport, the, 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 the planes, whenever they get damaged, you know, whatever, brand new plane, bags of money. And then just like, well, have fun. Just do what, you know, do this job for us. They know that he's smuggling drugs. I, I, I have to bet that they would want a piece of that or at bare minimum, if not, you know, outright protect them. But although the movie would have us believe that they didn't have anything to do with it other than allow them to, you know, avoid uh, the DEA, you know, um, and other investigations and be able to fly, you know, kind of provide them intel to avoid that sort of detection. But um, yeah, it's good. It's good. I, I would say that it didn't, I would quibble with the idea that they really helped launch the Medellin cartel. I mean, when we start the movie, the Medellin cartel is already in full effect. They already have this massive amounts of cocaine. They got the production going on. They're already selling in Colombia and all kinds of areas in Central America and South America. But this is really, I guess, really expanding the operations into the rich markets of the United States. Now, he's dropping his cocaine into Louisiana. But I want to say I've seen other movies. No, it's not other movies. It was in Netflix's Narcos, which follows Escobar and the Medellin cartel. 
where they mostly talk about how they are shipping it into the port of Miami. And they do mention that here in this movie, how it comes from was it Nicaragua. And they put it on boats, the Contras do, and then they bring it into the, to Miami. But um, and, and it may be that may be the case. But I want to say that, you know, Barry helped the Medellin cartel, but I think the Medellin cartel would have been just fine even without him. Right. In the movie, they found Barry at the airport gassing up and they're like, no, you need to come with us. And they take him to this short airstrip at high altitude. And there's like the remains of several other attempts of taking off cocaine laden airplanes uh, at that altitude. And they were unsuccessful. And the <laughs> Escobar and the other guys were, they, they gave no fucks about that. They're like, you know what? We don't think he can do it. Right. So, they're betting against him. Right. One of them's betting on him and the other guys are betting against him. Right. Cause they just, they don't care. They just want the thing to happen. And it's a little bit bizarre because you would think that they would have some skin in the game as to this cocaine not getting destroyed and their pilot, their source not being killed. And so I, I found that to be a little bit unrealistic. Well, I mean, yeah, I expect them to be hard asses. Yes. But I don't expect them to to put 200 kilos of coke on an aircraft and expect it to crash into the into the rainforest. Um, I agree with you up to a point. Um, if I if I remember from watching Narcos and I expect from other, you know, drug knowledge, I guess I'll say, um, you know, they I think they expect it's almost like you expect a certain amount of loss. Like the the markets are so lucrative due to the you know drug war breaking you know cramping down and making all this stuff illegal. The prices are so lucrative that they can charge on the street for this stuff that even if they lose thirty percent of the product, they're they're so fabulously wealthy that it's it's you know they can throw money away into bullfighting rings and have people chase after it just for kicks. All right, so basically you're you're throwing the uh, subjective uh, value margin and utility scale at me where they've got so much coke and so much opportunity that they could lose bundles of it and it doesn't matter similarly as we see later in the film when barry is is raking in the dough from these guys yeah. and he's like burying it in the yard hiding it in the house hiding in the closets bringing it to the airport hiding it there it's like there's so much money that it's more of a nuisance than actually valuable to him right. any longer. There's, yeah there's a scene where he's sitting on a couch and he's the the cartel is piling up bags of cash in front of him and he's just in the back of his head, he's going, what am I going to do with all this money? Right. And, yeah. And that kind of, I mean, it kind of surprised me. Um, I know this is the eighties, but, and I guess, you know, today you could buy Bitcoin with it or whatever, but um, it sure seems like he would have taken better efforts at, you know, putting that money in international places to throw it all around. Like he has it in a couple banks in town. And he, you know, the whole town builds up basically because of all this drug money that he's using. But it sure seemed to me that he kept it all in Mina, or at least the movie only mentions that much. And right, he, there's like a dozen banks there, and he's got a couple million in each. And right, otherwise he's just burying it. Whereas, man, I'd be making—he's a pilot. Make a flight to, you know, some Caribbean islands where you could buy an island and bury it there, or. Go to you just step, throw it in a couple of banks, you know, all around the place, so that you have, uh, you know, you have an escape route. You have a place you can go to if the shit goes down. Right. Yeah. And now, if we go back to where it's become such a nuisance that it actually becomes a bit of his downfall, right? Because uh, his uh, brother-in-law JB. finds the money. Yeah, JB or BJ, right? BJ. JB. JB. Okay. So he finds some of the money, spends it, draws attention to himself by running from the the sheriff, the local dummy sheriff in town. Yeah, that was so stupid. But it's like, okay, so money is so like not valuable to you anymore. Why are you still doing this? Why are you still 
accepting money? Why are you still doing the job to earn the money? Like some of that stuff didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, I'm sure if you're like in that moment and you're like, I'm doing this thing and, and these guys are paying me really well and they're going to kill me if I don't do it anymore. So maybe you just keep doing it. But I don't know. It's almost like you would come to the point where you're like, hey, you know what? I'll just keep doing this. So you don't murder me, but stop giving me money because it, it, it's worthless to me now. Right. Like it's more yeah. of a problem for me to deal with the money. Right. It's It's becoming a liability at that point. Like if you're stashing it in the closet at the airport and rando guy is just going to stumble across it because he opens a door and he gets buried in it. Yeah, you might want to think rethink something. I, it sure seemed like he was really sloppy and didn't really think it through. Or maybe it was just coming in so fast that he didn't have time to deal with it all. Uh, the movie, it's, it's hard to know exactly what the case was, but it all did seem to happen pretty quickly. I mean, the, the, the movie only takes place across, what, like seven years or so? It starts in like 78, goes like 85 maybe? Right, yeah, yeah. I think he died in uh, 86 from machine gun fire during his Goodwill or uh, Salvation Army community yeah. service. Yeah. Which, by the way, he was moving. All right, so we're kind of jumping over to the end. We can we can move around. We, we got right, that latitude. This all is right. our show. This is our show. We, we can do whatever, whatever we want. What? Whatever we want. And by the way, if you want to support our show where we do whatever we want, you can do that at lastnighters.com slash Patreon, just so you know. And we got a few people who are Patreon supporters watching us right now. Hi, Patreon supporters. Thank you. Thank What's you up, everybody? So uh, I don't, I'm stuck on this money thing, right? Because like it's-, it's more problems, yo. Mo money, mo problems. Just like mo gov, mo problems. And, and you've got a great uh, Rothbard image around that. So I'll put that on our show notes page. Oh, yeah. T Public, baby. It's yeah, nice you got a shirt for it and everything. I'm wearing it right now. Oh, there you go. Statism is the only religion that still demands human sacrifice. For you people listening and who can't see it, that is a shirt with an excellent design that Robert has created and is available for purchase at our show notes page. There's a link out to the T Public site for that. Yeah, baby. All right. So I just sidetracked myself um what the fuck was i talking about money 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 so yeah so so he's got all this money coming in totally worthless to him after a certain point and it, it seems really bizarre because he's trying to launder this money he's trying to like make it clean or whatever but this just goes to show you like how much the government is involved in your finances in your private life right that you have to hide where money came from it right. is it's kind of ridiculous and you know, they sort of do this in Ozark. Speaking of Netflix, that's another show where he's laundering drug money. They also do it in Breaking Bad. And uh, Walter White, he falls into the same issue where he's got too much money to deal with, right? Remember when Bill Burr is in that and the big uh, fat black guy? And they're like in this storage unit and he just, they both like fall uh, backwards onto the pile of money. And it's just like, this money is just here. And it's like, we can't use it. We have tons of it and it doesn't matter anymore. I just think it's funny that you know the white guy's name, but you don't know the black guy's name. Racist. Well, Bill Burr is a, is a famous guy. <laughs> and the other guy's on Breaking Bad. Now, if you were to ask me what his name was, I wouldn't know. But I didn't know Bill first name. Is he the guy? Is he the guy in um, in Made, the Favreau and Vince Vaughn movie? No idea. I haven't seen Made in a million years. Faison, 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 something like that. Anyway. So you don't have to try and pretend to not be racist. It's fine. It is it's so hard, man. All right. Take me where you want to go in this movie. I've, I've beat this uh, subjective value thing to death regarding the money. I know you've got a couple of notes. Let's get into those. Well, I just start off with him. He's like this, you know, bored pilot for, you know, and he's like frightening passengers for fun. And he's smuggling Cuban cigars for a little bit of extra cash on the side. And he gets approached by the CIA to help them with the whole 
Sandinistas in the Central America with their Cold War. Right. That's their foot in the door, right? They've got him doing something illegal. So it's leverage that they can use against him. And they they amp up that leverage later where they start bringing his family into it, right? And pressuring him to continue and take on more and more of their uh, schemes. Right. And he's flying into these, he's getting shot at, you know, he's just flying this unarmed plane really close to these armed insurgent guys. And so he's taking, he's, there's a lot of risk. And, and I think, I, I think it's funny because all he does is like ask the CIA guy, you know, is this legal? And he doesn't ask if it's, you know, moral or whatever. Is this the right thing to do? And the CIA guy goes, well, it's legal if you're doing it for the good guys. And then he says, just don't get caught. So he immediately contradicts himself. Like, get caught by who? Get caught by the U.S. police? Get caught by the Sandinistas? Like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But he, it, apparently that's good enough for him. I mean, he's being given, given all this stuff as if there aren't strings attached. But sure. Um, let's see here. What else? Well, before you move on, I'll, I'll pick on the uh, board pilot aspect of it because they, they, they call this out where he's doing the pre-flight check with his co-pilot. And it's like they're doing this through rote memorization, going through the checklist, flaps, wheels, chocks, ailerons, however you say it. Like they're just going through this list and they do that. Like every pilot does this multiple times a day for years. And I got to ask, do you think that that contributes to complacency to where you're just going through the rote motions and it's no longer contributing to safety? In fact, it's detrimental to safety. Just it's just opinion here. I feel like it would be a, a big detriment. Oh, yeah. And then they hold the nature of their their shifts. They go like three days straight and then they have like two days off or whatever it is that they their, their schedules are. I know they can sleep in the middle of the you know the flight and whatever with autopilot and that sort of thing. But yeah, the I think the whole idea of being a pilot has a whole lot of romanticism, but being a commercial pilot is just a whole lot of tedium with, you know, a fair amount of risk, but maybe it's, I don't know, it's fine. You do it. But yeah, he's a young pilot. He's like one of the youngest pilots, the first ever, I guess, the youngest pilot in TWA history. And yeah, he's bored. And here comes the CIA with this, you know, exciting opportunity to do some sneaky stuff, fly this hot plane in some dicey situations. Yeah, it's no wonder that he was like fully on board with this. But I liked it when he asked for a raise and the CIA guy was like, you'll figure it out. Basically saying, yeah, you can do whatever you want. And then I'm, I'm backing you. But well, I read that differently. I read that as, oh, we're not going to pay you any more money. Oh, yeah, that was definitely part of it. Like, we're not going to pay you any more money. And so you're going to need to figure something out. And whatever that is, you know. Blind eye, right? Yeah, we'll just turn a blind eye to it. And that yeah. that may be the movie, you know, covering for the CIA. Because I tend to think that the CIA, it, it makes it... What did you get the impression of the CIA in this movie? It seemed to be a bit of a whitewash for the CIA. Like, like they, they knew about it. That's clear. Absolutely clear. But they also... And they also... They also didn't care. Like here was, you know, um, Nancy Reagan saying, just say no. But at the same time, they're, you know, working with people who are bringing all the drugs in. So that was one thing. But at the other time, I, I, I just got to imagine that the CIA had more involvement and that he was, you know, throwing, throwing money, kicking it up to somebody. But I want to hear your take. Well, my take is that there's this intergovernmental total clusterfuck where there's all these various bureaucratic agencies all competing for jurisdiction. The CIA had knowledge of their zones of operation and basically gave Barry, the Tom Cruise character, uh, the information on how to avoid those areas of operation. So they had like this bird's eye view, but they also had plausible deniability, right? So they weren't coordinating or covering for him specifically. Like if he got caught in any of those other agencies' webs, they were going to disavow him and burn him. Which they ended up doing. 
Right. And that, that actually reminds me of this cheesy show that my wife and I watched a couple of years ago called Burn Notice, which has the great Bruce Campbell in it. So if you want some cheesy, low-hanging, entertaining fare, check out Burn Notice. And to uh, call back to a previous uh, conversation earlier in the show where we we're talking about Netflix and uh, Narcos, there's another show, I believe it's called, I've got it here. Oh, it went away. Uh, I think it's called Dark Tourist. And the very first episode is about visiting Pablo Escobar's apartment in Colombia and one of his enforcers who gives tours of where they had their um, their mountaintop hideaway. And and this guy was like he murdered a bunch of people (laughs) and now he's given tours and talking about all the stuff that, that happened way back when. And it's pretty interesting. So Dark Tourist, Latin America, episode one on Netflix. Check that out. He's like the real life Kramer of Seinfeld giving tours. <laughs> yeah, Barry exactly. David wrote the wrote the wrote the series. Sweet. All right, so let's talk about the cover story that they gave Barry. So they're like, "All right, you're working for us and you're starting a business." And it's going to be called IAC. How imaginative that the CIA comes up with IAC as the acronym. Yeah, it's gold. It's gold, baby. They'll never be able to link it to us. So he, even his uh, his wife figured that one out. And didn't the uh, the Colombians also question that? They're like, no, you work for the CIA. And he's like, no, I work for IAC. And he's like, yeah, you work for the CIA. <laughs> They're like, yeah, okay, whatever. You're a total businessman. You're just making a flight like every day down to these uh, rebels snapping pictures. Okay. Yeah. Now let's get into the, uh, the rebels and the Sandinistas and the Iran Contra stuff. This movie seems to take a snapshot of the preceding stuff to the Iran Iran Contra scandal that was, you know, the Ali North stuff in uh, the mid to late 80s. So this is like the lead up to that. Now, I remember it very vaguely because of, you know, I was 10 years old at the time, whatever. Um, do you remember it anymore? Like, what was that scandal about? All I remember was, yeah, Oliver North, you know, testifying before Congress and that it was a big scandal. I mean, those these are back in the times when all you really had was the nightly news and maybe a newspaper to tell you what was going on. And yeah, I, I recall that it was basically what, what the movie told us was, was that they're going to have Iran, you know, ship the guns over to the Contras to fight against the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. That's about it. Um, and like the movie says, you know, the, the, the worry was that this was going to turn into another Vietnam, stop getting embroiled in these, you know, conflicts that don't seem to involve us. And, you know, this whole idea that if a country goes communist, it's just going to lead to some sort of a domino theory. I don't remember if you remember that, but that was the theory back in to use to um, escalate the violence in Vietnam and the troop counts in Vietnam is because we didn't want these countries to fall like dominoes to this wonderful ideology that is communism that just leads to prosperity and uh, bounty for everyone that tries it. Right. And if I recall from history that I was told, and you can get better history at Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, having the best deals of the year this Black Friday, you can find that at lastnighters.com slash deals. Throw another plug in for everyone. But uh, I think that was also the excuse in Korea was the domino theory. Probably. have Yeah, it's... And, you know, it was close by. I guess, you know, we got Cuba that was nearby, even closer than Nicaragua. But, you know, they have these... It's it's really just the military industrial complex that wants to keep fighting and wants to have an excuse to you know buy more weapons. Um, the idea that a bunch of commies in government and the, the United States is filled with communists. I mean, the, socialism and communism are two sides of the same coin. And to have them, you know, statism is essentially all socialism. And to have them complain about another form of statism that is slightly different to their own. I mean, I understand the yes, communism is more totalitarian, slightly more totalitarian than socialism. 
and it's all on a sliding scale. I, I would agree with that. And communism is horrific and socialism is horrific. What we identify, colloquially identify as socialism, like modern day Venezuela is what you colloquially call like full blown socialism, I guess you could say. Or not real socialism if you're defending it. Right. But there's also a ton of socialism in the United States. There, we have socialist defense, socialist medicine. We have socialist education. Education. There you go. We have socialist roads, socialist uh, water. I mean, there's socialism all over the place. Every time you are taking money from one people and redistributing it to another, that's socialist. If you have taxes, it's socialist. So yeah, it's a sliding scale. But so I have a, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know. Well, would you say that there really was a threat, a quote unquote threat of, you know, a whole bunch of countries turning communist. I mean, obviously it's not good for those people in those countries to go communist. I wouldn't want to live in a communist country. There's a reason I don't want to live in a communist country. But to say that there's a threat of a domino effect of a bunch of South American countries going communist. I mean, if, if the United States tomorrow declared itself a communist country, I'd go, well, what would need to change? Pretty much not. <laughs> the signs? Pretty much, maybe. The, the, the marketing? What else? I mean, that, that's about it. Yeah, it's just a different rapper, really. Yeah, so as far as the threat, <laughs> um, yeah, the threat of the domino, I mean, is that like the reverse of the herd immunity? They're like, oh, if this domino goes, then that's going to infect the other ones and the other ones and the other ones. And so we need to inoculate the world against communism, even though, like you said, all statism is in that general direction, just it's a matter of degree. And to that, I would add, how much aggressive violence are you okay with? You know, how much rape is okay? I'm against rape. I'm against socialism. I'm against aggression. So I'm against all forms of government. And they all are forms of socialism. They're all about regulation and control and redistribution to some degree or another. Right. And I would also throw in that, you know, if you are saying that, well, I want to help some people defend themselves against these Sandinistan aggressors. Okay. If you believe that, that they are absolutely aggressing against you and you want to help defend against them, sure. Um, that's clearly not what happened. I, there's a line in the movie that that, that, that is very telling. Uh, at one point, Tom Cruise tries to fly down there and give them a bunch of guns, and they're just like, eh, we'd rather make money. And he's like, turns out the conscious really didn't want to fight anybody. They just wanted to make money like the rest of us. Right, so he ended up bringing those guns to Colombia for the Medellin cartel. Right. And then get this triangular relationship. Right. And then the cartel would send the cocaine to the Contras, who would then ship it to the United States for their cut and their money. And then it was just a big business partnership where, you know, where Pablo, you know, went wrong was, you know, his, like the movie says, his uh, what management style was to murder everybody. It's just to murder people. So other than that, I, I, I would tend to defend the entrepreneurs who are just trying to exist and, you know, benefit from a situation the best they can. Right. Now, regarding the threat, you know, early on, the CIA guy says, we're building nations down there. So they were down there meddling, right? And oh, yeah. all of the Sandinista action and basically the whole scenario that plays out here is sort of a variety of blowback that Ron Paul talks about, where you meddle in the affairs of others and you upset people. Right. And you expect reason, a reaction. I don't mean to interrupt you, sorry, but um, yeah, there's a reason why the protagonists in the movie were only able to operate out of Nicaragua with Manuel Noriega, because all in the, in, that was the only place the DEA couldn't get to them, because all the other countries were essentially puppets of the CIA. Not to say that all of them were complete puppets, but 
you know, clearly Nicaragua wasn't was the only place that they didn't essentially have under their control. So yeah, they're totally nation building and meddling and making sure that they have their approved puppets in charge. And when they didn't have somebody, they would either assassinate them or stage some sort of a coup. This is standard CIA tactics. Right. And to expect there to be no response to that is uh, kind of ludicrous. Yeah. So um, let's see, what else do we want to talk about in this movie? Um, I do want to talk about the uh, the military training base that the CIA sets up on his property. It's essentially a training base for the Contras, which is very similar to the School of the Americas. I don't know if you're familiar with the School of the Americas, Daniel. You conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones listener. The School of the Americas is, is an admitted thing. We got the you documents. Look, you can look it up. There's piles of mainstream sources. The United States has admitted to it. It was a school that was based at Fort Benning, Georgia. Uh, they renamed it in 2000 to WINSEC, the Western Hemisphere Institute for Security Cooperation, so that Congress could say they shut it down. But it still trains assassins and death squads and execution and torture and basically how to be a despot and how to kill people. And they've done it for decades. But this is how the CIA trains their insurgents and how they use violence to achieve their means, their ends. Right. Now the School of the Americas sounds a little bit more top tier compared to what was going on in Mena, Arkansas here at the airport because they were flying these guys in with the, uh, what do they call them? The snow angels. Like he got, a, he enlisted a bunch of other pilots to help him because there was just too much activity right. moving around. Right. But yeah. they're flying these guys up from Nicaragua to get trained and most of them would desert and like run off into the woods of right. Arkansas. <laughs> They were plenty happy to be in the United States. They had more economic opportunity up here. It's a wealthier nation. Yeah, send me up here and I'll just take off. Thank you very much for the free ride. Right. So the, really the, the Contras defending Nicaragua from communists was really just cover and an excuse to continue their operations, which was increasing the amount of meddling that was going on. Because you could really see it in the CIA guy having to report to his, his bosses that he's doing something. Like he's he's taking action. Things are happening, right? And that's all he had to show. He wasn't showing that they were solving anything. Right now, at one point, they do, he does call them in for a basically a, a post-mortem or whatever, some kind of a sit-rep situation where they're like, okay, going over the stats. And they're like, well, we... You know, out of the 15,000 whatever AK-47s we sent down there, like 10 of 1,000 of them ended up in Colombia, and only 5,000 ended up at the Contras. What's going on? And so CIA eventually does shut them down. And then it's like you said, there's all these multiple agencies all converge on him to get their, you know, all the different laws that he broke. You know, he's thumbing his nose at the DEA the entire time. But then the state police also won him. The FBI also won him. The ATF also won him. Yeah, they want the collar. Right. And, and but, none of them knew about any others, right? None of them knew about the others. Right. And I think it was, you know, for the movie that they all showed up at the exact same time. I mean, that's clearly probably did not happen. I can't imagine that he just happened to be there and all converging at the last second, all of them. Okay. That was clearly a scene written for the movie. But this is where, you know, I think there's a little bit of whitewashing going on here. But, you know, he gets brought before the DA, the state DA, and she gets a call from Bill Clinton who says, you know, you got to let him go. And, you know, the, the the audience is left to wonder why, but just assume that there's some kind of shady shenanigans between the Clintons and the CIA or the Clintons in the White House or the Clintons in the Medellin cartel or the Clintons in Barry. But we're, we don't really know that. And that's why I think it's a little bit of a pass. It, I mean, it's, it's hinting at, you know, the corruption, 
But I think if you really look into it, the Clintons have been into ton of shady shit for a long, long time. And there's a reason why they call them the Clinton crime cartel, the Clinton crime family. Yeah. In fact, I was surprised they brought it up at all in the movie. Right. But uh, speaking of Alex Jones, you know, years back, I do recall him discussing airfields in and around Arkansas that were used for importing drugs into the United States and that it was under the you know, auspices of Governor Clinton at the time. And he was well aware of it and was covering for it. Now, you know, throw this into the conspiracy bucket, but where there's smoke, there's there's usually fire, right? So I don't know the details on it, but the fact that they even mention it in the movie, they're either corroborating Alex Jones, which I'd be surprised that they would do knowingly, or they're culturally finding that and putting it into the movie. Like, oh, this, this is a theory in the culture. So let's put it in our movie. I tend to think that it actually happened, and that's why it's in the movie. But I, you could be right. I don't know. Um, I do recall Jones talking about, you know, uh, CIA planes crashing full of cocaine and money. And I don't think that that's, you know, like a conspiracy theory. That's because those planes really did crash, and they were reported on by, like, the San Jose Mercury News and other news organizations. I think there was an expose actually in the San Jose Mercury News that ran that kind of exposed a lot of the CIA drug running. Um, and I think that's what led to that. I think I think the guy, I might be messing up my memory here and mixing things around, but as I recall, the guy who wrote that expose committed suicide by getting shot in the head, back of the head twice. So it's kind of strange. Sounds like he had some information that could lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've seen many memes recently because the great Stan Lee finally died. So what did he know about Hillary? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, people seem to end up dying when when uh, they know too much around her. Yeah, to be fair, I don't have anything in particular on Hillary Clinton. All I know is what I've uh, heard. So she doesn't need to come after me. Right. We're we're just we're just a patsies here. <laughs> That's right. All right. So there were a few things I wanted to talk about, but one of them is how badass and Top Gun. He, he replays that Top Gun scene where the jets are chasing him and then he, he pulls back to slow down and the jets fly right by. That's literally what he does, what he does in the uh, Top Gun movie like 30 years prior. What do you mean 30 years prior? Uh, 1986 was when Top Gun came out. Yeah, but so he's, he's in like 1986. Right, right but, but he came out in 2017 and he's, he's the same actor doing both roles. Right, okay. Like okay. An homage to his gotcha. prior okay. stint. Homaging um, himself, okay. Right. Yeah. At least I felt it was that. And and speaking of Top Gun, uh, Top Gun is a movie that I used to watch fairly uh, frequently on Thanksgiving. My buddy Julian would come over and we would watch that movie for some reason for a few years in a row for Thanksgiving. And I remember I was in an apartment and I had these really, you know, like badass speakers and he would shake the floor above me when they were uh, taken off from the flight deck. So it brought me back a little bit that moment. So you aggressed against your neighbors with Top Gun? Oh, I disturbed them a little bit. Yes. Nice. Yes. But uh, speaking of that move, um, when the first time that they encounter being caught by the DEA in flight, the DEA has the wrong kind of plane, right? It can go fast, but it can't fly for very long. So his guys all just go at like, I forget what you call it, but whatever's like in Star Trek, they would call it uh, nominal speed, right? Impulse speed. Impulse speed, right? Lowest amount of speed to keep you in the, in the air. Right. Save all, as much fuel as possible. Because that jet is going to blow its load in like two hours and you just outlast them and then you can go about your business. Well, the second time they catch up to him, they've got the same plane as him and right. two of them. He has to make an emergency crash landing in a residential neighborhood and he bursts out of the plane covered in cocaine and he and he buys a bike off a kid, gives him like 20 grand for it. It's pretty sweet. 
Yeah. And I thought that that was like a pretty badass move because I mean, what do you do? Right. Because the CIA wasn't going to cover for him here. Like this was a total clusterfuck of governmental agencies, like not knowing what the other ones were doing, you know, and, and having that possible plausible deniability we were talking about earlier. But right. you would think that if the CIA were above board about all this stuff and really were the good guys, which they're not, uh, that they would have really given him clearance to do right. the missions they were asking him to do and gotten the DEA and the locals and all those other, the FBI and everyone else off, off his back. Yeah, and Barry clearly knows that he has to avoid the DEA. Clearly, he knows he has to avoid law enforcement and DEA and what he's doing is technically illegal. He knows that. So I don't know really why he's like asking the CIA guy if this is all legal. Yeah. And then the guy says, yeah, if you're doing it for the good guys. I mean, maybe he wasn't technically talking about running cocaine at the time. He's talking more about taking pictures of the Sandinistas. Yeah, it was an escalation, right? They got their foot in the door with the Cuban cigar thing. And then every time they'd ask him for something more, and then Barry would find himself being pressured by, you know, the Colombians or the CIA or the Sandinistas or Noriega into more and more shady stuff that then the next group would amplify that and use that against him to get him to be compelled to do more stuff. So it reminded me, especially when he got um, arrested in Colombia and he's in this prison or he's in this jail and the CIA guy shows up. He's like, yeah, there's gonna be a raid on your house tomorrow morning. Your wife and your kids are going to get, you know, taken in for questioning and, and whatever. And he's using that to lean on Barry heavily. Like they're bringing family into this to pressure him to continue to do more and escalate what he's willing to do for them. Right. Yeah. They're ramping it up. They want more and more and more. They want him, use him to now ship dr guns into the country to help the, San to help the Contras fight against the Sandinistas. So... Right. He balked at that. He was okay with the drugs, but then he was like, wait a minute, guns? And then he was like, oh, okay, never mind. Fine. Right. Yeah. That stood out to me too. I'm like, what, what's wrong with guns? <laughs> right. But anyway. Um, but, you know, then then it culminates into the, the government fucking up uh, even more. Uh, sorry for the sensitive ears out there. But they finally nail Barry down with some charges that they think are going to stick. And the CIA has burned him at this point. And they're not willing to cover for him anymore. So he has to strike a deal with the DEA to get cameras in in the plane and take photos of escobar and his other you know top level drug guys uh and compromising photos accepting the shipment of cocaine or or you know with with the cocaine so that they can have a case against these guys who aren't even americans right yeah like since when does the cia care or the united states government cares the like they have this yeah. political agenda and this political narrative that they wanted to use to sell to for whatever political purposes. And it was just some kind of, he was just a pawn. He was just a tool. And they they treated him like a pawn. And, and this was his dumbass trusting nature that he would take this deal to stay out of jail. And he's trusting these politicians to only, you know, use these pictures that he gives them, you know, privately or whatever. And so then the White House just immediately broadcasts the pictures to the whole world. With him in them. With him in them. So the cartel is immediately like, you betrayed us, you're dead man. And the moral of the story is you can't trust violent dirtbags like politicians. I mean, they're just going to screw you. They don't care. They don't care about you. you you're better off with your business partners, the cartel. I think they're going to treat you better off. I don't think it was a mafia situation where he had to keep working for them. It could have been, but the movie doesn't say that. And it sure didn't seem that way to me. I mean, maybe he had a whole bunch of information on them. And so it behooved him to be like, hey, we're still in business. Hey, I'm seeking to gain from this partnership. I'm not going to screw you over. And if I suddenly left and disappeared, yeah, it would look sketchy, like I'm going to sell you out. 
but maybe I'm just, you know, I'm done. Can I leave? Is that cool? Or is it like Pablo Escobar? I'm going to kill everybody that I even suspect of anything. I don't know. I'd say the movie tells us, at least in the narrative of the story, that they would not accept that, that they would kill Barry because two reasons. One, they do kill Barry at the end. But only because he betrayed them. Right. But they also killed JB against his wishes. They killed JB against his wishes. True, because he was a problem. He was a problem that impeded on the business. You're right. So that was a very mafiastic thing. And you get that sense with the, um, I don't know, in Ozark's obviously a work of fiction, but that's their their management style too, is to just, if you if, if someone becomes a problem, you just kill them. And right. so, maybe so, true. so this movie, and this is probably a good, a good point to start doing our wind down here on The Last Nighters, do our final summary review, because it, it feels like this movie is, is sort of a blend of Ozark, Breaking Bad, Narcos, Dark Tourist. Um, what was the one you just mentioned? Ozark, I just said. Ozark. And, and probably something else. But anyway, it's, it's sort of the blend of all of these things together. Oh, and Alex Jones' conspiracy theory. To bring about a movie where it's actually quite fun, I find, in the creative storytelling of this. Like, this was a serious topic that they made have a bit of a comedic turn. And it ends up horribly, right? I mean, he gets murdered by machine gun death. And it's terrible. And I felt really bad at the end as a result of it. But the rest of the movie is so like bouncy and fun that I still found it entertaining. And so I'm sort of going into my final summary review here. I found that this was uh, definitely worth watching. And it was it was interesting and fun. Um, it did lead me to want to know more about these things. And I wish that we had prepared a bit more. So we would have had uh, more to cogently discuss on the show. But we've we've I think done fairly well with our limited intellectual capacity. And I'm going to give this thing a 7.7 as my rating and I'll pass it over to you. Well, I, there's one last question I have to ask you. Um, we can either talk about it now or I can talk about it in a, some sort of an overdrive portion, but um, yeah, this movie, I don't know how much of it is, is, is true. Um, the tapes at the end of the movie were confiscated by the CIA. So how they got into the hands of the screenwriter. I don't know. Did he cobble together the script from news reports? Was a book written? These are all questions we don't know. So maybe it would have been behooved us to uh, do a little bit of research, but that's not what we do here. We talk about our opinions of the movie. Right. And, and let's save let's save that for uh, the uh, the bonus stuff for that Patreon action at lastnighters.com slash Patreon. So for the overdrive. So continue with your final summary and review, if you would. Okay. So yeah, this movie uh, is, is really well done. I, I, I liked the directing style. I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked the way it was in, interspersed with little animated segments, uh, with the, the personal... Um, confessional style videotape segments. And I thought um, Tom Cruise did a really good job. I, I thought it was awkward that he was a 55 year old man playing the husband of a young, like 25 year old woman. So thankfully there wasn't a whole lot of uh, on screen like sexy time. There's a little bit of that, but it wasn't like too bad because it is kind of, I don't know. He's just getting to that age where even though he looks really good, it's like, man, he's playing like a 20 year old guy. And his wife is like smoking hot. And right. he's been a 20 year old guy for 30 years. Yeah. And eventually it's, it, it's just a little creepy, but you know, whatever. They're all professionals. They're all consenting adults. And it's fine. So uh, yeah, this movie I would say is a good, strong, good, strong eight. I, I would recommend it for those interested in this topic. Um, it's a, it's a dirty, it's a dirty time in the nation's history, but this kind of thing happens all the time. This is modus operandi of the CIA. This is violence and power and the conflicts of it. This is them 
you know, they're, they're, they're not shying away from using violence to achieve their political ideas. Right. And wasn't it amazing to you how much they knew about Barry back in the 80s or 70s uh, technology, right? Like, imagine what they know now. Yeah. They know your, your current whereabouts at all times. They can listen to your conversations at any given time. That's one of the impetus for our show. We were like, well, if they're going to hear it anyway, uh, we might as well record it and broadcast it ourselves. And maybe, just maybe, one of these ideas will stick with them. We'll plant some seeds. Yeah, baby. Who knows if it's happened or not, but we know this is all being cataloged in Utah on some massive server farm or database. Yeah, so a good strong eight for me. Uh, check it out if you haven't. Although, why, if you haven't, why are you listening to this? Maybe you just like listening to the sounds of our sexy voices. I don't know, but thank you for listening anyway. And uh, yeah, I think that's the show for now. All right. Well, before we say goodnight to everyone at The Last Nighters, I do want to remind you there are Black Friday deals, and you can find those at lastnighters.com slash deals. The show notes and more for this episode can be found at lastnighters.com slash 46. And there's one other thing I wanted to mention before we go. Not our Patreon. You guys know about that. And you guys are supporting that. we got a dirty dozen now Patreon supporters, which is amazing. And by the way, our most recent supporter we gave a shout out to in our previous episode, uh, he told me earlier today that this movie was one that he really enjoyed. So we hope that we did it justice, professional asshole. Oh, yes. And now I remember the next movie up for bid, Robert. Yes, what sir. are we doing next, sir? We're wrecking it with Ralph, the Disney movie from, what is it, five or six years ago, and now they've made a sequel, and where he's wrecking the internet, and I didn't know that the internet still existed. I thought that that was a thing of the past with the lack of net neutrality, but what do I know? Right, yeah, it died about a year ago uh, with that net neutrality stuff. But yeah, we're doing Wreck-It Ralph, which actually has some pretty good themes in it, and it coincides with the release of the sequel, which is coming out, I think. I want to say this week. So we'll be our episode will be right after this has come out in theaters. Uh, Ralph breaks the internet. So listen to us, watch Wreck It Ralph, and then go and see the uh, the new one in the theater. It's got John C. Riley, and I, I enjoy him quite a bit. He's a he's a fun and interesting guy, uh, comedic tour de force, if you will. So that will be our next episode, Wreck It Ralph on the Last Nighters. And uh, any final comments before we say goodnight from last night, Robert? Tease on T Public slash Trubster. Check it out. Buy some for your family and friends. You can also get like stickers and posters and just all kinds of different merch on there. So check it out. And thanks for listening. All right. Thank you, everyone. And good night from last night.